sun comes up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day Hey friends, this is Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries, and we've got an awesome program for you. I know you're going to enjoy it today, and you're going to want to get more copies of this, so give us a call, 618-383-2107, or log on to lonesomeroad.org. Or you can email me at gary.lonesomeroad at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now sit back. Listen and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you. I keep those wheels turning from town to town. There's so much I got to see. I got to look around. I got diesel smoke rolling. From two chrome stacks, my address is 408-414, a big blue Mac. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. Friends, this is Jeff and Gary Rayburn, and the road is our life. And today we're bringing the church to you right there on the road. Wherever you're at, we're bringing the church to you. So sit back, listen, enjoy today's program. This is from our three-fold cord conference we had recently right here at Lonesome Road Ministries, new home here at 107 Sycamore Street in Keynes, Illinois. And, buddy, did we have a great time, and we want to share this with you today. And we're going to join the conference right now with Roger Barkley, Jr., leading us with some praise and worship that I know will bless your socks off. Here's Roger Barkley, Jr. and the Redemption Band. See the bright light shine, it's just about home time. I can see my father standing at the door. This world's been a wilderness. I'm ready for deliverance. Lord, I've never been this homesick before. I can see the family gathering, sweet faces so familiar. 
and no one's old or feeble anymore. This old lonesome heart is crying. I think I'll spread my wings for flying, and I've never been this homesick before. See the bright light shine. It's just about home time. I can see my father standing at the door. This world's been a wilderness. I'm ready for deliverance. Lord, I've never been this homesick before. Well, see the bright light shine. It's just about home time. I can see my father standing. At the call, this world's been a wilderness. I'm ready for deliverance. And Lord, I've never been this homesick before. Lord, I've never been this homesick before. I have seen something in southern Illinois that I have never seen before. First of all, y'all know how to make sweet tea here. I, I, I don't know who taught y'all how to do that, but I didn't know where the Mason-Dixon line was, but y'all don't know where it is either. <laughs> and I saw something yesterday and. Asian American redneck. Now, is that politically correct enough for everybody? I mean, right? Well, how many more rednecks that we got around here besides me? All right. Well, you can't do a redneck song without looking like a redneck. How many believe that our God is a mighty rushing wind? Okay, three of you. I'm going to start sealing, I'm going to start reappropriating some of James's lines. How many of you believe that our God is a mighty rushing wind? All right. When we come down to that, uh, uh, this chorus, I need y'all to help me out. I've seen some of you can raise your hands. You can put both of them together and act like that mighty, uh, mighty wind is pushing that oak tree around, all right? Some folks call me crazy That's all right with me Some folks even hate me I don't let it bother me They call me the rebel That's the way I choose to be 
Cause I don't hang out with that rowdy crowd And they just don't understand When I see a man in trouble I reach out and lend a hand I go to church and read my Bible Oh, and I try to be a better man Did I mention? Well, my father is creator My brother is a savior And I hang out with the mighty rushing wind I hold a title to a mansion I'm on my way to heaven Did I mention? I've been born again Well, some folks think that I'm really strange When I talk about my white life Although this world is going crazy I got no trouble, got no strife Got no strife I'm on an inside track to freedom Oh, and I'm living in the light yeah. Well, my father is creator My brother is a savior And I hang out with the mighty rushing wind I hold a title to a mansion and I'm on my way to heaven Did I mention I've been born again Yeah, well my father is creator Well my brother is a savior And I hang out with the mighty rushing wind I hold a title to a mansion And I'm on my way to heaven Did I mention I've been born again. Did I mention I've been born again? I've been born again. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome stuff, isn't it? Amen, amen, amen. Talk about talking about rednecks and crazy. Uh, I'm 69 years old, and people think I'm crazy because I'm doing what we're doing. But I am. I'm a little bit crazy. I'm crazy about Jesus. <laughs> Is anybody else in here crazy about Jesus? <laughs> Woo! Amen. And I want to I want to introduce you to another crazy redneck from Southern Illinois. His name is Joe Arview, and uh, he's a little bit crazy too. But we love Joe, and he can't be here today. And he's uh, put together a little video that we're going to try again, and make sure we've got a different spot to play it from today. Hey everybody, Lonesome Road. Uh, sure wish I could be there with you today. I I really wish I could. It's amazing how you miss going out and doing things. I had a whole year of uh, COVID and now chemo. 
the, the two C's. <laughs> and the third one, of course, is cancer. Thought I might take a minute and just say thank you to everybody that sent cards and that's praying for me. And uh, your prayers are working. God, he's doing wonderful things. I thought I was going to get through this video without crying, but it's just not possible. You know me. But let me give you a little rundown where I've been, I guess. Uh, back in March, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. And uh, then on April 6th, I had a colectomy where they took out a mass that they said was cancer. And uh, now, uh, I guess a couple weeks after that, I'm taking chemo and uh, been doing that ever since. And uh, I'd like to stress the importance of having a, a good doctor, uh, one that's not an idiot or a moron. And I'm kind of looking for that now. Uh, but uh, they're kind of hard to find, I guess. Anyway, I'm just having some troubles with neuropathy in my hands. And uh, we're going to be getting a second opinion. So we're going to Chicago next week for that. And I need my hands. God told me. He blesses me. He blesses everything I put my hand to. So I know it's uh, it's important to me, but it's important to him too. So God's going to see me uh, through this thing. I really believe it, and uh, I have a, I really do have a good support team with my wife. You know that psycho that she is. She quit chewing for me, so <laughs> she, but. When we had this problem with our doctor, and uh, she put on that psycho brain, and and you know that that brain that says uh, I'm gonna whoop somebody, and uh, anyway, so she's getting some things done, and we're going to Chicago, and hopefully uh, some treatment that are a little different than what we're getting now. But uh, I kind of want to tell you what what God has shown me through this, and that is that. Uh, Sin is in the world and it causes disease and sickness and it falls on all of us. And, uh, you know, we pray for healing and we believe. And I believe God's healed me. And I believe he is healing me. I believe all those things. But I kind of describe it like this. It's like two guys standing in the rain and one says to the other, how come I'm getting wet? And the other one says, because you're in the rain, stupid. And so we're living in a world that's fallen. Yeah, they, it fell back in the Garden of Eden, and it's still, that curse is still active today. And uh, so here it is, sin, sickness. And also I want to tell you that during this time, God has uh, uh, shown me some things about myself. And uh, search me, O God. See if there's any iniquity in me. And guess what? There is. And God has wanted to deal with some things. And it's nothing earth shattering, but, you know, between me and him, it's pretty important. And so God is dealing with, with things in my life and come to find out he's really interested in me being holy. And uh, I'm walking closer to him than ever before.
And uh, my prayer is that uh, when I walk out of this, that I'll stay where I'm at with Him. So uh, with that being said, I think uh, Gary's got a little song that I, I, I cut a little demo down at Bill's, at Bill Shell's studio, and I wanted to share it with you because it's my testimony uh, thus far through this thing. And uh, it's just called Have a Little Faith. God bless you all. I love you so much. I believe God made the moon and stars above. Great a man and a woman, they would fall in love. He made mountains and the valleys and rivers that would flow. I believe God made for me a place to call my home. The lilies in the valley, the birds up in the air. But they don't have a worry, never have a care. And just like God's creation, He will care for you each day. So put your trust in Jesus. Have a little faith, have a little faith of a mustard seed. And you can move a mountain off into the sea. Take God's hand and stand up tall. Don't let it go and you will never fall. But if you do, make that mistake. Just do that little thing that makes it all okay Have a little faith Life can be a struggle And that will all agree Times it's even hard Keep your sanity When your back's against the wall It makes it hard to even pray But you can make it through If you have a little faith Have a little faith Of a mustard seed And you can move a mountain Off into the sea Take God's hand and stand up tall Don't let it go And you will never fall But if you do Make that mistake Just do that little thing That makes it all okay It's gonna be okay Have a little faith Joe wanted me to uh, make sure that y'all knew that he appreciates all the cards and letters and prayers that you've sent to him. And I want to ask you to keep praying for Joe, keep sending him cards, and keep letting him know that we're praying for him because prayer 
works. And Joe wanted to make sure that every family that, that was here had his brand new CD, Keep Looking Up, and this is a great CD, it's Joe's latest, and he wants you to have that. So if you haven't got one, we've got somewhere at the back of the sound booth. If you've already got one, then I want to ask you to do me a favor and send Joe a card and tell him thank you. Yeah, and just tell him you're praying for him, and we love him, and Joe's going to be back stronger and even gooder than he's ever been. And that's a Tony Mack word, and I love using it. Tony used to say it's going to get gooder, and Joe Arview is going to get gooder than he's ever been. He's going to have a testimony, a powerful testimony. He's going to have some powerful new songs out of all this. God is going to put an anointing on him like he has never had before, just like he wants to do to each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Hey, you like Roger Barkley Jr. and the Redemption Band? <laughs> Oh, they are awesome and powerful. What do you think, Pastor Jeff? They're coming to your church. Yeah, we're going, coming up there. How about a couple more songs by Roger Barkley Jr. and the Redemption Band? Now, I told you, of course, we always have this running joke, do you know what you're going to sing first? Well, usually maybe first, not second, third, or fourth, or anything like that, but I thought, I knew what we were fixing to do. Is that better? Yes. <clears throat> you know, uh, evidently God was fairly busy this morning because I was up at about the same time James was. Maybe a little bit earlier because I texted uh, Chuck. The next song we're fixing to sing... It's a hard song for me to sing. Dear lady uh, that has since went on to be with God is the one that sent it to me the very first time that I ever heard it. It's one of those songs that uh, Diana said, I think you need to sing. And it's one of those songs that I looked at her and I said, I think you're crazy. And after the swelling went down <laughs> and we were able to see each other again, and I humbled myself before God <laughs> and Diana. No, seriously, I want you to listen to the words of this song. And y'all pray for me as I sing it. And pray for this song because this is, along with what happened that y'all heard just a few minutes ago, is going on a brand new CD that we're going to put vocals on next week. Um, this is a song that uh, some of my favorite singers do, Mercy Me. And uh, I, I just, before I go any further, I'm just going to have to sing. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing. Reminding the broken it'll be all right Right now, right now I just can't 
It's easy to see when there's nothing to bring me down. What do I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. a little faith to move a mountain a good thing cause a little faith is all I have right now but what will you choose to leave mountains unmovable Give me the strength to be able to sing It is well with my soul I know you're able and I know you can Save through the fire with your mighty hand But even if you don't
I appreciate each and every one of you. And I appreciate you, Roger Barkley, Jr. He's worked hard. He's been, he's been our singer, uh, evangelist, so, uh, sound man. He's done it all this, this weekend, and he ain't done yet, buddy. You got a big day tomorrow, and right now, you're on. I had a daddy that fought for Uncle Sam. Sam. I got uncles and cousins that battled in Vietnam. I got in-laws and outlaws, but they all bled or head white and blue. Names on the wall that spelled freedom for me and you. Johnny came home with one leg from Afghanistan. Oh, but Jenny still loved him and she, she stood by her man. Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Coast Guard, and Marines. When we all come together, well, that's something like you've never seen. I'm from the U.S. of A. And I'm proud to be. We start our football, baseball, and NASCAR with those And I still believe in God and country. So stand up and say, from the U.S. of A. From the blue collar workers to the farmers out in the fields All the firemen and policemen and those who stand behind the shields All the mamas and the daddies out fighting for our lives All y'all that want to burn my flag Well, you gotta go through me From the U.S. of A And I'm proud to be But we start our football
Richard Cross, man, you've been waiting long enough. I know you're just itching to get up here. Come on, brother. These people want to hear from you today. You got a word for them. God bless you. Yeah, I love you too. Richard's a good friend of the ministry. He's been, uh, he's been a good friend of the ministry, and he is a powerful man of God, and you're going to love what he has to say. Amen and amen. God's people said amen. Man, this has been awesome. And the king has one more move, huh? Amen. Wow. First of all, I want to say thank you uh, several years ago for praying for me. I, up until I was 74, I'd only spent one night in a hospital. And I thought, man, I'm doing pretty good for an old guy. One night, and I was 12, and they took my appendix out. One night in the hospital. And here I am, 74 years old, and I thought, man, I'll pat myself on the back, man. This is pretty good. God is good. And then I had a heart attack. And got a brand new heart, five bypasses. I didn't even know I was sick. 
I was in the mountains of New Mexico. They life-flighted me to Albuquerque Heart Hospital, good place to be. They do about uh, eight heart surgeries a day. And I remember I was awake just before they put me under, and I, you know, Lord, hey, I'm ready. You know, everybody in the family's saved. I've just got one grandson that's out there. He's born again, but he's backslidden. But, you know, everybody else in the family, all the kids, grandkids, and the great-grandkids will be saved as they're coming up. And I said, Lord, you, I'm ready to go. I'm tired. I'm ready to go. And, and uh, five hours later, I heard someone saying, Mr. Koss, wake up. Mr. Koss, wake up. And boy, I, eyes are opening a little bit. And I saw an oxygen tank and a nurse and a doctor and another nurse. And I said, this ain't heaven. I guess he's going to leave me here for a while. Amen. Amen. And then last September 10th, I uh, had my motorcycle wreck. And first bad wreck in 50 years of riding, you know, bikes. And uh, my bike landed on top of me. And that's what did most of the damage. And, and uh, my pelvis was broken in three places, three broken ribs, a brain bleed, a pancreas bleed, and a liver bleed. But nothing required surgery. Doctor said it'll all heal on its own. And I had people praying for me that I, I didn't even know all, all around the country. And, uh, you know, when you're on hospital food for 19 days, I lost a pound a day. 19 pounds, amen. And I got to minister to a lot of nurses and doctors, okay? And I had three nurses. Uh, they were Navajo Indian ladies from the Navajo Reservation. And they were born again. And I said, listen, I've heard a lot about the Navajo revival that's, that's sweeping the Navajo, you know, reservations all around America, wherever they're at. She said, it's true. And uh, I said, well, we need that among our Native Americans really, really bad. And they described the miracles that were going on, the things. And they were my nurses. So I was well taken care of. I gave away about 30 of my books and... And uh, then they all come back in the room, want me to sign them, you know, so when they get to heaven, they can say, well, uh, I got an autographed copy of Richard Koss's book. God will say, who? Who's that? Listen, uh, thank you for your prayers, though. Don't you just love the words in red? I love the words in red. You know, the man that led me to the Lord 52 years ago, he said, now, Richard, Here's a Bible, you start reading the book of John, then go over to the back of the book and read the smaller books, because I'd never been in the book. A man asked me one time, Richard, have you ever read the Bible? And I, said, and I wasn't being a jerk, I really wasn't. I can be a jerk, but I wasn't. Then I was telling the truth. I said, no sir, I've never read the Bible, but I smoked it in the county jail. Anybody with me on that back in the day? And you run out of roller paper in the county jail, and the Gideons put in those little New Testaments, and they're about roller paper size, and tear one out and, you know, get it pliable and put your tobacco left over in it and lick it and roll it up, man, and, and, and smoke the Word. I, you know, I'd never been to church in my life prior to being saved. I didn't know who Jesus was, okay? But then I, I'd go from the back of the book to the words in red. Wow. And one of them is, let not your heart be troubled. Boy, we're living in troubled times. 
I don't fear for me and our four children. You know, uh, we're going to be okay. But what about our grandkids and great-grandkids if Jesus tarries? Can you imagine the world they're going to have to grow up in if Jesus tarries, which I don't think He's going to. Okay, I think He's on the horizon. Gabriel is wetting his lips right now. Okay? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, Jesus said. Huh? Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Then you drop down a little bit. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? Jesus is it. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Where do you go? Who do you run to? When you get kicked in the gut, broken heart, a husband or wife dies of cancer unexpectedly. You get a phone call from the highway patrol chaplain and somebody in your family, maybe a son or a daughter or grandchild has just been killed in a hit and run accident. What do you do? I've been there. And I didn't do the right thing, okay? Uh, what do you run to? Where do you go? April 19, 1995, in Oklahoma City, a truck bomb exploded. And it took down half the federal building, the Murrah Federal Building, and 168 people died at the snap of a finger. Nineteen innocent little children died. Three of them lived. And I was there, and my son was there as a rescue worker, police officer but it was total carnage how could anybody live through that because the truck bomb was placed right where the children played and it was a payback for Waco and Ruby Ridge and and uh, Janet Reno was the Attorney General uh, her nickname was little Hitler and uh, it was a payback for all that stuff but three little children a little black girl and a little brother and sister lived, and the doctor said they'll, they'll never walk again. They'll never, probably never talk again. They're going to have motor coordination problems, and they've all graduated from college already. All right? And everything was free. My daughter worked for the federal government, and so she took her two little boys, Chase and Colton, and if you've got some age on you, you remember those days all over the television, and and my daughter was the red-headed lady you saw uh, on TV that day as she rushed from the one federal building to another. And they thought a gas line exploded, but it turned out to be a truck bomb. And every morning she would take Chase and Colton, two and, and three years old, uh, uh, to the Murrah Federal uh, Building Child Care Center where two black ladies took care of them. And they came home singing Jesus songs. Those black ladies taught them how to sing Jesus songs and talk to them about Jesus. And I said, wow, man, that's awesome. And uh, my daughter would buy a house, rehab it, keep it two years, sell it. You don't have to pay taxes on your equity. And she did that three times, and she was getting ready to do that again. And she was telling the boys, uh, this next week, uh, we're, we're moving into our new home. You boys are moving into your new home. And so the oldest one, 
Chase is telling all his friends, we're, we're moving into our new home next week. We're, we're moving into our new home next week. And guess what? They did. They went home. My wife flew in that day of the bombing from Pensacola, Florida. We lived in Gulf Shores, Alabama. My wife was in the real estate business there for 20 years. and I was in Wichita, Kansas, doing a little area-wide crusade in a high school auditorium. And my son called me, and he said, Daddy, get home quick. I'd heard something happened in Oklahoma City, and it wasn't good. Daddy, get home. My son has been a career police officer. As a matter of fact, right now, uh, he's over the house in our U.S. Capitol, and he's the chief of security over the house. Nancy Pelosi's his boss. <laughs> so I asked my son, I said, well, when you're going through the hallways and you pass you know, Miss Pelosi, does she say, hi, Dr. Koss, how are you doing today? Doesn't even look at me, Dad. I'm a peon, okay? All right. But we got another Christian in the United States Capitol building, okay? My son is born again, all right? He said, Daddy, get home. And he was immediately dispatched as a rescue worker. And he found his own nephew in the rubble and carried him out, the oldest one. And he said, Dad, if you want to talk about my two tours to Afghanistan during Desert Storm, I'll, I'll tell you anything you want to know. But don't ever ask me to tell you anything of what I experienced as a rescue worker in that rubble. And I never have. Don't mention it. We've had policemen and firemen commit suicide who were rescue workers over what they experienced that day and the weeks to come as the rescue went on and on and on and on. And my daughter said, Daddy, Daddy, you're a, an evangelist and you're a preacher, and Daddy, you got to do the funeral. you got to do the memorial. you got to do the boys' homegoing. And she took two little boys who slept together, played together, went to day nursery together, passed from this life together, and she found an oversized children's coffin to put both of them in together in one little casket and uh, I went in my daughter's bedroom and got down on my knees and I said God I can't do this ain't no way God I can't I can't I can't I can't and I'm crying and I used to be a hard guy and never cried but when I got saved God you know busted a honey jug in my heart okay and uh I cry pretty easy today and have for a lot of years. And I said, I can't. And God said, that's right, you can't, but I can. When you're weak, I'm strong. You trust me. And a good friend of mine who used to be in the rock and roll industry and opened for Three Dog Night and the Allman Brothers and Charlie Daniels and Elvis Presley, and he ended up getting saved. He was a heroin addict, and he came and did the music, and it was all children's songs. And I lost it, man. I mean, I wept, and then God gave me about 20 minutes of dry eyes, and I made it through the memorial service. Over 5,000 people came to the memorial. Our church would seat that many back then, still does. 
in Oklahoma City. Everybody was going to everybody's memorials and funerals. And God told my wife and I, you're going to minister to your family. Everybody was grieving. Everybody was crying. It was a bad time, a sad time. But my wife and I didn't grieve for about two weeks. God said, you're not going to grieve right now. You minister to your family. You minister the Word. You minister the name of Jesus. You love them and hug them and reassure them everything's okay. We'll see those boys again. And uh, after a couple of weeks, my wife flew back to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and I called her and she was crying. She was going through the grieving process, and I hadn't yet. And then something happened. The old Richard Koss came back to life. Have you ever experienced the old woman coming back to life or the old man coming back to life? Yeah. Yeah, it's not a pretty thing, Ann said. You know, and I come from the streets. You know, I come from 32 arrests and three trips to prison, one of them in Chihuahua, Mexico. Man, I was a gangster. And I said, God, back off, dude. I'll take care of this one myself. You don't have to worry about it. I know none of you have ever been backslidden. Whatever. Yeah. But I said, God, back off, man. I'll, I'll take care of this. And I had long, curly red hair and a ponytail back then. And I said, I'm going to get me a cop haircut, you know. A little bit kind of like what I got now, kind of a little bit of a flat top and what a lot of police officers wear and Gerald Ford had already given me a presidential pardon, so I can own guns, and I got a good gun collection. I know there's something about outlaws like guns, you know, and I've, I've got some. And I, I've got a 45, and, and I said, you know, I can get me, a, I can get me a, a, a cop uniform. That's no problem. I'll get me a cop uniform and a badge, you know, my 45, you know, my cop haircut. And... Uh, uh, I'll go down by the courthouse, and when they're bringing Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols from the courthouse, you know, uh, to the jailhouse or, or vice versa, man, I'll just be a police officer, and I'll get in there, and when I can get close to one of them, boom! I took care of that problem. Vengeance is mine, thus saith Richard. I used to hear people talk about migraine headaches, and I, I've never been a person with headaches, ever. Not even a little aspirin headache, hardly ever. And I thought, well, a migraine. Come on, can't be that bad. Do you know how God kept me from doing all that? I mean, I had plan. And, and I, was, I was serious. Paybacks are triple, man. I'm going to get one of you. And I don't care if I go back to prison, because I grew up there since I was 12 years old. Mental institution, reform school. I, you know, when the cops would arrest me and handcuff me, I was going home. I grew up in the Hennepin County Jail in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I did two and a half years in that jail between the ages of 15 and 18. I was always in jail. So when they would arrest me, I could sigh a sigh of relief. <sighs> I'm going home. I was institutionalized by the time I was 18. 
Now, the sad part of all this, I ended up in prison in Chihuahua, Mexico, two federal stretches in El Reno, and we've got people from El Reno, Oklahoma here today, over here, amen. And uh, uh, the sad part about it, all those years, nobody ever told me about Jesus. It wasn't the 32 arrests and three trips to prison and institutionalization. It was nobody told me about Jesus. Where were the Christians? Where was the church? I never heard. I was almost 25 years old in a prison revival meeting when I gave my life to Christ. Jesus was a curse word in my vocabulary. God was a curse word in my vocabulary. I grew up in a dysfunctional family. We had five liquor stores and the same nightclub in northern Wisconsin for 21 years. We had a boatload of religion. Everybody was a baptized church member, but there were no true believers. See, God doesn't call us to religion. He calls us to relationship. Wow. And uh, God put migraines on me. It, it didn't come from Satan. It came from God. God said, I'm going to keep you home, child. And you're not going anywhere. And I was, they were so bad. I was throwing up. I was losing weight. I had to be in a dark, dark, dark room. Couldn't stand light. And after about two weeks, God will let us have our little pity parties sometimes. Okay, son, if that's what you want to do, let's, I'll play along with you. Then after about two weeks, that's still small voice. Son, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I started crying. My daughter had also called me. She said she forgave Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols long before I did. I raised her that way. Daddy's girl, okay? And my son forgave him. I didn't. And I know all the verses on forgiveness. You know, I, I know when bringing your gift to the altar, you remember that you've got ought towards someone. Don't bring your gift to the altar. Lay it down. I'm not going to receive it. Get right. And then I'll receive your offering, whatever that might be. I know all the verses. But I said, God, back off. But he said, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And I said, oh, man. Yeah. Start crying. Yeah. I am. Now, we got a couple of words we all have used, especially, you know, I'm a Southern Baptist evangelist, and Assemblies of God use these two words, and the Nazarenes, and the Lutherans probably, and the Charismatic Catholics, and what have you. You know, recommitment and rededication. I hadn't found those in the book yet. They don't work real well because I know folks are always rededicating their lives, recommitting their lives, okay? God's got a better word. Anybody know what it is? Repent. <laughs> Repent. Repent. God said, Richard, are you ready to turn this thing around? I said, yeah. He said, repent. And you know what? I did. I repented. I made a U-turn, okay? Not a recommitment, rededication. Yeah, I've been there many, many times years ago. But I repented. Okay? And then about a week later, the Holy Spirit came and said, Now I want you to forgive Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols completely. I said, God, you're taking this thing a little bit too far, man. But I know you're right. I know I'm wrong. 
And I repented, and I forgave them. The two men who killed our little babies, Chase and Colton. And then God says, pray for their salvation. Send them your book, Wanted. Send them gospel tracts. And I, I'm, that's what I do. I'm prison ministry for, you know, 49 years. Been going to the, the penitentiaries and the jails all over America and Guatemala, Nicaragua, uh, Colombia, Romania. Uh, man, I, I love the prison ministry. That's where I grew up. That's what I know. And, and I've heard from some of you this week that, that, Richard, you're an encouragement to me. I've heard that twice this weekend. And that's what I hear from inmates. Richard, you've been there. You've made it. You've stayed out all these years. You're an encouragement to us. So I guess I'm an encourager to, to a lot of people. But I begin to write them letters. And after about three letters with gospel tracts, to Timothy McVeigh, I got a letter back with a big stamp on it in red letters, refused by inmate. <laughs> now, he opened the first three, but then he, you know what I call that? Conviction. He didn't want any more gospel tracts from me. He didn't want any more books from me. But we kept sending Terry Nichols gospel material. Well, about 19 years ago, our family, along with many, 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 many other families, got a letter from Terry Nichols. The chaplain, and he's, he, he can't be in general population. You can kill adults, hang in prison all you want, nobody will bother you. But when you kill 19 little innocent children, buddy, you're a dead man. And if you'll remember that Catholic priest that that uh, murdered about, I mean, that, that uh, uh, molested about 80 little kids. They killed him in prison. Catholic priest or not, they killed him. You mess with children, you're, you're, you're going to get hurt bad uh, in prison. That's the lowest life crime you can ever commit. So Terry Nichols is in segregation just like being on death row all the time. Chaplain led him to Jesus. And... We got one of many letters, I'm sure, saying, I hope your family can forgive me. I wasn't there that day, but I knew how to mix the bomb. And I mixed the bomb, the fertilizer bomb, and I guess some ammonium nitrate stuff. And uh, I'm so sorry for the loss of your grandchildren. And uh, we got, uh, Phyllis and I got a letter, and my daughter got a letter, and um, I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. I have become a Christian. Wow. Now, do you know what that means? <laughs> huh? When I die, and when he dies, we're both going to be in heaven. Whoa. At first, that was hard to swallow. I'm going to be in heaven with one of the men that helped kill my grandbabies? But you know what? His ways are not our ways, and our ways are not His ways. Now listen to this. Billy Graham came to Oklahoma City, and it was packed, 10,000 people inside, about 10,000 people outside. And Billy Graham and Ruth met with our family for about an hour. They, by the way, 
They were on their way to the Mayo Clinic. They were both not feeling well. And their doctor called and said, don't go to Oklahoma City. Billy Graham said, we have to. And President Clinton was there and Hillary was there, but their bodyguards were taking care of Billy Graham and Ruth, moving their chairs around for him and helping him all they could. He said, Richard, what verse? You're, you're a Southern Baptist evangelist. And he said, I'm a Southern Baptist. He said, what verse is getting you through this? And I said, well, I guess Romans 8, 28. But I'm screaming at God, how are you going to pull this off, dude? Huh? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. And I'm, I said, Billy, I'm screaming at God. How are you going to pull this one off, man? How are you going to turn this one into good? He changed his whole message and preached on Romans 8.28 that day to 20,000 people. Well, years later, wow. And God gave my daughter two more children in vitro. She was on the Oprah Winfrey show. She said, Daddy, I'm getting calls from everybody. Larry King, Oprah Winfrey, and not their people, them. Would you come on our show and tell us how you and your family are getting through this Oklahoma City tragedy where, where, where you know, and she said, Daddy, I can go share how God took a mess and turned it into a message. And Daddy, I can tell the world that our family's Christian and loves Jesus and, and, and it's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus that's gotten us through this. And Daddy, I'm going to do it. And I watched the Oprah show that particular time she was on and Oprah said, are you going to have any more children? My daughter started crying. She said, I can't. I had two. And they tied my tubes and they tried to untie them and, and there's too much scar tissue. Now wouldn't you know it? An in vitro fertilization doctor in Los Angeles, California, just happened to be watching the Oprah show. And it was live. And he called in. He said, you get this phone to Oprah right now. And they did. I'm watching all this, and you don't know what's going on. But Oprah said, Edie, I've... I've got a doctor on the phone that he's an in vitro fertilization specialist and he'll give you all the babies you want and it won't cost you a dime. Not even airfare. Wow. And God gave her two more children. One's 22 now and one's 15. Wow. I got, I got a great, my 22-year-old grandson is a big dude. He's, he's 6'4", been lifting weights since he was about 15. And... Uh, I mean, he, he doesn't smoke, man doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs, went to college, got a free football scholarship, and, and got kicked out of college. And uh, great kid. A uh, little lazy. You know how they, they are today. He missed seven morning classes. And we don't think uh, college is, you know, your thing. So goodbye. So now he's training to be a plumber. We need plumbers, okay? We need plumber. We need people in the trades today. And uh, some people up in New Mexico at, at Faith Mountain Fellowship in the mountains said, Richard, we're going to, we got an invitation to go to uh, Medellin, Colombia, and spend five days in one of the worst prisons in the world. And I said, I'm in. I'm in. The biggest rats I've ever seen in my life were in this prison open sewers with sewer grates, and there goes a rat, there goes another rat. And uh, 
the inmates, a uh, great revival broke out in this prison. Uh, in one of the riots, 43 inmates were killed. And one drug cartel decapitated the heads of their foes, and they were playing soccer with human heads. All right? These are, these are Pablo Escobar's men and Ochoa's men. And, but years ago, two books have been written about Bella Vista. Bella Vista in Spanish means beautiful view. Ugliest prison I've ever seen in my life, man. 7,500 inmates in one prison. But way back in the day, two Catholic nuns who were born again went to the warden and said, we want to come in and start a Bible study. The warden said, no, they'll rape you. Doesn't make any difference if you're Catholic nuns. They'll rape you and they'll kill you. Nope, we want in. He said, no. They kept coming back and finally he made them sign off that he's not responsible. Okay, if you want to come in and God told you that to start Bible studies and men start getting saved and then guards start getting saved, they were born again Catholic nuns, came through the Catholic renewal and went from you know Vatican I to Vatican II and, and revival broke out in the prison still going on today. Still going on today. And there was posters up, How I Forgave the Men Who Killed Our Babies. Ten of Pablo Escobar's men, they were the inner circle. These were the guys right next to the lifeguards. I mean, right there with him all the time. He had an inner circle, an outer circle, and then his gang. All right. Uh, they said, uh, we want to see the guy that forgave the men who killed his grandbabies. You see, when someone kills our family member, we take their whole family out. We take out grandma and grandpa and mom and dad and the kids. We kill them all. How can you forgive a terrorist who kills your grandchildren? We want to see this man. Romans 8, 28, now it's coming around. You know? So with my interpreter, there's, there's 10 of... Pablo Escobar's men, one had already been saved. Now, these guys got Rolex watches, gold chains. Remember Mr. T? All right, they had those kind of gold chains. They ran the prison. The warden went to them to get permission to let the Christians come in that week for five days and have revival. I mean, there was five churches inside the prison. Five evangelistic churches inside the prison. And they wanted to know how it's possible to forgive the terrorists who killed your babies. And I got to share my testimony and why I forgave them and where I came from. Eight more of Pablo Escobar's men gave their lives to Jesus. Wow. You know, Romans 8.28 does work. But here's what I want to leave you with. God's figured this whole thing out way ahead of you and I. Okay? Remember I said, vengeance is mine, thus saith Richard. Well, sounds good at the moment, but it's wrong. You know what God says? Vengeance is mine. I will recompense, thus saith the Lord. If you've ever been burned or hurt or tragedies come into your life and your heart's broken, and I remember one lady was at the altar and I knelt by her years ago and I said, 
And this, she said, I've been coming to church for 30 years. I carry my Bible, but I'm a fake and a phony. My husband ran off with a better looking woman 30 years ago, and they got married. And I see him at Walmart. I want to run over him with my car, kill him. But I never miss Sunday school, <laughs> I never miss church. Oh, there's a bunch of them out there like that. I was one of them for a while, okay? But she got right. But anyway, God says vengeance is mine. Maybe you've been molested, hurt, or something back there. That, man, I hate that person that did that to me. That person that ripped me off. That person that did me in. Man, I, I, I hate that person. You know what God says? You don't have to worry about it. If they don't get under the blood, if they don't give their life to Jesus, they stand before me at the great white throne judgment, and I'll take care of business for you. You don't have to worry about it. God's left nothing undone, folks. Absolutely nothing undone. I will take care of my children. Vengeance is mine. That releases you and I, and we can forgive. And we can go on serving God, and it'll set you free. I will recompense. I'm the payback guy. Wow. Maybe that'll help some of you today. They've just got something gnawing, agonizing all the time. I hate that person. You don't know what they did to me. I remember one time, we had a lot of money in our family when I was growing up. We had two airplanes. That was with the five liquor stores and the nightclub. Everybody died without Christ except my mom and my grandma. And I got to lead them to Jesus when I got out of prison. Grandma first. Grandmas are easy. My mom took 14 years. She was hardcore. Okay. Vatican I Catholic. You get to heaven your Baptist way. I'll get to heaven my Catholic way. I said, Mom, there's no Baptist way. There's no Catholic way. We've got to come by the book. What does the Bible say, Mom? And uh, I led her to the Lord with, with born-again Catholic material. Wow. When she read, from your Catholic friends, well then, she better give her life to Jesus, okay? And, and my mom and I, we were never close, never, ever close. She never wrote me all the years I was in prison. and uh, But we got close for seven years. And then I, I did her home going, you know. But my dad put 35000 cash in a business, and the guy absconded with the money. And I was drunk with my dad the day he died, okay? And the day before, I'd slam my dad up against the wall and threaten to kill him. It was a bad, bad situation at home. And uh, my dad said, I'm going to get him. I said, well, Dad, are you going to shoot him? Because my dad always packed a forty-five when he came home from the Marine Corps. He always had his forty-five on. I said, you going to kill him? He said, nope. I'm going to take my knife, and I'm going to, he had, he had one wooden leg. He said, I'm going to cut the other one off with my knife, my pocket knife. And that was my dad. There was no forgiveness in my family. My grandmother's fifth husband murdered his wife and got away with, stabbed her in the heart, put her in a snowbank in northern Wisconsin, Danbury, Wisconsin. She wasn't found till the spring thaw so he could marry my grandma because they were having an affair. What a mess. <laughs> Man, I've been delivered, okay? Praise God. But remember, 
Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. God takes care of His children, okay? You, you can forgive and go on with your life. If those people that have hurt us, burned us, ripped us off, if they don't get saved, if they don't get born again, they stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment, and He takes care of business for us. I've seen a lot of people freed up with just a little bit of that knowledge. Amen. I don't know where you're at today, but I want to pray for you. Father God, thank you for my friends, my brothers, my sisters. and God, 52 years now, saved, born again, and you're a good God. You're a good God. And I can relate with so much of what James has been telling us. And God, you've always got another move. The king's always got another move. And I can relate to him with the tithing stories. I started tithing $10 a month from the penitentiary. And God, you honored that. And 52 years later, and God, I'm so blessed financially. God, you honor your word. You know, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom for the same measure that you measured. It shall be measured to you again. But I take that a little further than money. You want joy? Give away joy. You want a smile? Give away a smile. Uh, you want love? Love somebody. They'll love you back. And God, thank you for rescuing me 52 years ago, changing my life. And using me to be a soul winner. God, thank you for our death row ministry. The prison ministry. The jail ministry. The heroin addict ministry. The prostitution ministry. And God, you've given us a motto. Helping the least, the most. Helping the least, the most. Matthew 25, 35. God, free somebody up today. Vengeance is mine, thus saith Jesus. You don't have to worry about it. You can forgive and move on and move up. In Jesus' name, amen. And we don't like to close any program without offering you the chance to give God your heart. So pray with me right now. Just a simple little prayer. Pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I surrender all to you. I want to give you my heart right now, Lord. And then I want you to mold me into the person that you want me to be. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At the crossroads of life, Lost without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab. And you can contact us at 618-383-2107.
or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web. You can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page. So check it out. And if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then give us a call and let us know. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.